welcome back everybody to the Tales Never Fails podcast. The voice you are hearing is Parker Hurley's and that means that Super Producer Bean is not able to make it with us today. Uh, this will be the second time I'm doing a solo podcast this season. Um, you know, it's just something that, you know, with our schedules, it wasn't able, like I said to him, I said it wasn't able to work on your end one week. It's not able to really work on my end this week. So um, I'm kind of just, this is kind of like the one hour before Thanksgiving where I'm able to kind of cut some time out and talk about these games. So we are unable to do a review. We are unable to do a preview. We're going to do a mix of that for you. Kind of just go through all the week 12 games, give my reactions from the week 11 games as we go through them. So you'll get a little bit of both with the the re-preview this week. And yeah, it'll kind of just be... A potentially condensed episode because it's kind of just me rambling about my thoughts. But yeah, we wanted to get it out um, obviously before the Thanksgiving games because there's a lot of betting going on in those games. And I still wanted to get, you know, some of my thoughts out there about last week's games before these games start, you know, and some things might change. So we're going to go with it. We're going to see how it works, you know, and probably just spit some stuff out for you. I do want to kind of say that, you know, most weeks we, we do the previews on Thursday for a reason, and I always talk, you know, even on the Thursday pods, I'm like, yeah, I still have a little bit of work to do. I still want to look at some injury reports. So um, there's a few plays that we already played, and like always, I always kind of say, you know, yeah, jump on this one right now, but there's definitely going to be a lot of these um, where I'm leaning one way and potentially with news, with injuries, you know, with some updated information, you know, there's some stats that I kind of like to look into that aren't even updated from last week yet, while, you know, at the time that I'm recording this, so um yeah, just more of a lean situation. Maybe, you know, um, in, in, in this podcast, I might talk myself off of some of the leans that I'm saying one way and go all the way to the other end where, you know, I almost never go that way on our typical podcast. You know, I'm usually pretty firm and I'm either on one side or I'm off of it, but we'll see how it goes as I kind of walk myself through this one because like, I, I, I was looking through these games and I was like, man, I like a lot of uh, underdogs this week. And I was kind of, you know, a little bit nervous because I'm like, which of these favorites, you know? are really going to cover, you know, these all kind of seem inflated. And then I was thinking, you know, it is that Thanksgiving week, you know, it's everyone's with their family. They're looking to gamble on sports. They're all going to be huddled around the TV. Yeah. Maybe these lines are a little juice. So maybe it's a good thing. I like all these underdogs, but also I I might have to, you know, find a favorite or two, you know, some of these favorites are going to cover this week. So we got to kind of look into that as well. So like I said, just kind of going to walk through my process might not even have as many, really won't have as many stats as I usually have kind of just, to throw it out to you, it's more of kind of just what my eye test is telling me, and we'll just start with my Chicago Bears. They're uh, in Detroit this week. They're laying three and a half. The over under is forty five. Um, we got down on the under. Um, it's probably going. It's trending under. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, it's still forty five, and you can get under because I think it's just going to keep trending under. And it opened four. It's down to three and a half. All of this is because um, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is going to play in this game. So um, that that kind of changes a lot with the quarterback situation. I think the spread is going to crash a lot closer to a pick'em when it's officially announced. So if you wanted to get on the lines, you definitely could right now, and you would get a lot of value out of it. But um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still not too sold on the lines, and I can't. I'm not really doing anything with it yet. I'm just looking to the under, and it's because I mean, first off, you know, I kind of talk every week about yes, Mitch Trubisky is completely electric. But he's so crazy, and you know he has that propensity to lose as many games as he has the propensity to win them. Um, with Chase Daniel, you're getting just like an extreme game manager. You know, you're getting a guy who has backed up, um, you know, Alex Smith. They brought him in to have back up Alex Smith. Matt Nagy did, and you know they really liked him in that situation of he can do pretty much. 
he's a light Alex Smith player, you know, Alex Smith light. He takes care of the football. He doesn't make too many crazy throws, um, but he's extremely smart and he knows the offense and he's going to get, you know, they're going to stay on schedule with a guy like Chase, um, Chase Daniel. So that's where I'm kind of sitting and saying, you know, I still can't take Detroit, but I'm looking and, you know, the one interesting fact with the Detroit Lions, and um, I'm going to write about this here soon, um, is with Snacks Harrison, they're just a completely different run defense. Um, I actually don't have it in front of me, but it's like they're like uh, they were, you know, they were 31st against the run when they traded for Snacks Harrison. Now they're giving up about three yards per carry or a little under three yards per carry with Harrison in the lineup. So um, it's been a huge helper. The issue has been they've been getting torched through the air as a byproduct of that. And I kind of mentioned that I'm like, why are you running? You know, you don't have enough upfield penetration with with Snacks. You know, nobody next to him can get um, upfield. He's a great run plugger, sure. Um, another issue with that has been, you know, well, Darius Slay was out. Well, Ziggy Ansa was out. Um, they both missed the Bears game just, you know, what, 12 days ago or eight days ago. On Sun, you know, two weeks ago or so, or, you know, it'll be two weeks on Sunday. So they just, they're coming back now. Mitch Trubisky, I'm telling you guys, I'm pretty sure he's going to be out. He has a sore shoulder. Um, it's a short week. The Bears have been extra precautious, and they just won a huge game on Sunday night football. I know that the Lions are a division game, but they're sitting at two and one in the division, and they beat the team that they kind of had to beat in the Minnesota Vikings, and they already beat Detroit at home. So while, yes, they, do want to win this game. I think they also understand they could potentially get away with this game with Chase Daniel, like I said, because he's not going to turn the football over. He's going to make the smart reads. Um, Matt Nagy's a great game planner, you know, a great play caller, just completely outclassed Matt Patricia the first time they played each other. So, you know, that's where I'm kind of saying I, I'm not sure about the Lions, but I also I don't think the Bears can move the football too successfully because – they're going to want to rely on the run game. You know, they're going to, it's a road game. They just played on Sunday night football. They had 84 hours in between games. You know, so uh, that's, and they have a travel day. You know, I know it's a couple hours to get to Detroit, but still that takes some time. You know, you got to set up, you know, get on the tarmac, everything like that, planes. You guys know how that works. So it's, you know, it's a lot of time that they really don't have this week to prepare for. Yes, it's a familiar foe. And yes, the Lions have the short week too, but the Lions also finished their game about four hours before them and don't have, you know, like I'd say like five or six hours, eight, seven hours wasted due to traveling. So they have about a 12 hour advantage. And like I said, only an 84 hour um, span. So that's where, you know, the side is just so confusing because you think, you know, the Bears should probably lose this game, you know, coming off of a prime time win, um, playing really well. But like I said, having, you know, first off your backup quarterback, second off losing, you know, like I said, about 12 hours in preparation to the Lions. And then, you know, it's really tough to be, um, a team, you know, a team that you know twice, a rivalry team twice in the Detroit Lions, and then do it in their home, on, you know, with all the varying factors. So um, hard to get invested in the Bears, but it's, you know, on top of the fact that you wonder if they can run the football. They didn't run the football against Detroit. That was one of the first games where Snacks really showed the difference. So, you know, you're kind of wondering, can they even run the football, the Chicago Bears? I, can they pass the football just enough to win? Potentially, yeah, for sure, but it, it's tough to bet into it. Uh, then you're looking at the Detroit offense, and you're saying, well, they can't even score enough to win, and they just traded Golden Tate, and they traded him with the idea of, you know, we're going to trade Golden Tate to set up and establish more of a running offense. You know, we need two receivers on the field, and one of those receivers is Marvin Jones, who can stretch the field. Marvin Jones isn't going to play in this game. So now all of a sudden, you know, well, we're on first team and it works because Jones stretches the field. Well, Jones isn't stretching the field. Now we're bringing people in the box. 
Um, well, at least we have Carry on Johnson. He's a supreme talent. We traded up for him. We have a lot of faith in him. We traded Golden Tate because we want Carry on Johnson involved more. And now Carry on Johnson is out this week. So, you know, your whole identity is Marvin Jones sets up Carry on Johnson, and now they're both out. And that's why, you know, they did beat Carolina. They scored 20 points, but um, that was more of Carolina is this running offense. And they ran into a team that's really hot defending the run right now. And, you know, they, Carolina got a few chunk plays, but I've been saying it for a while that um, Carolina's going to lose when they have to push the football down the field because they haven't done it yet or consistently, really. Um, they've only done it one game, I'm pretty sure, against Baltimore. They did it. was the only time they moved the ball down the field, and they did it in spurts against um, Detroit because that's where they were getting torched. But when you add Slay and when you add Onsen, when you add the fact that they can't do it consistently, that's why that's where they weren't scoring um, nearly enough to – um, you know, put up, put, put up and put away Detroit in that game. That's where Detroit got the win. So you're wondering, you know, it's kind of the same idea. You know, 20 to 19 was the final in that game. You're thinking, that, you know, 20 to 17, that's about what you're thinking. And that's why you're definitely going under in this game. You know, especially uh, the Bears, I'm a little bit worried about their defense on that short rest, but they're also just playing so great. And Mac has missed, um, you know, two, two or, you know, pretty much two and a half games. I know it was recovering from an injury and it's not like he was just given that rest but um he should be a you know a little bit healthier or a little you know he should be able to come back around on that short short layoff so I'm looking at it and I'm saying you know Detroit doesn't have the horses to move the football and while the Bears may be tired you know is that's potentially to get the Detroit to 20 um Chicago is you know in a really bad situation all the way around so it's going to be tough for them to score that's where I'm looking under and I'm not even going to you know really get into the side tune too heavily. I think the Bears could win, but I think if, if they do win, it would be, you know, it would be a real dogfight and it would be a tough, tough win for them. So let's go to the next game where we have another, uh, we have another bet on. So at least I kind of have the Thursday night game shaped out for you. So, and uh, we're going to definitely be on the Redskins on this one. And this is another one where I was saying um, some of these underdogs, and I'm wondering if this is just the public perception of they kind of know that everyone's just going to be sitting sitting around the couch saying, oh, man, you look at the Redskins. They're starting Cole McCoy. They're going to get absolutely thrashed in this game. You know, um, Dallas is a little bit hot. They just won two straight on the road. So that's where people are going to be looking. So, yeah, the, the line's definitely jacked up. And, I mean, even with Cole McCoy, and I've been saying for weeks, you know, or I've been saying for two weeks, you got to start fading Washington. It's going to be really hard to catch me on Washington because of their, you know, one, their offensive line situation situation um they're struggling to find skill players and then you know alex smith goes down and all of a sudden i'm on washington um it, it, it's just because they're giving way too many points in this situation um you know you think yeah if that, very with all these situations it could be like four and a half for dallas is kind of what you're thinking in this game like that's a pretty good line in my opinion Washington still has a better defense than Dallas. Like no nobody is hurt on the Washington defense. They haven't been shut down. They haven't been elite. They just gave up, you know, 21 points or 23 points to Deshaun Watson and you know DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins had a decent day, but they pretty much shut down the rest of that team. They have a great run defense that a few weeks ago Ezekiel Elliott went into Washington and had 47 yards. You know, none of those players are hurt. Those players are continually continuing to, you know, show up in these games and I think they're going to have a nice little game on this short week kind of um, playing up. And I kind of I said it with the Jimmy G thing, you know, when that first game after losing a quarterback, you kind of look to back that team because they're all kind of going to show up to the occasion. And, you know, who are you looking for on Washington to show up to the occasion? Or, you know, they're big run stuffers on defense or, you know, a guy like Swearinger in the back end on defense. So you're thinking 
their defense can hang with Dallas in this game. And, you know, what's Dallas's offense? You know, who are they to be hanging seven points with? You know, they were just hanging seven against Tennessee a couple weeks ago and got their butts kicked, you know, scored 14. So it's not like Tennessee's this elite defense. They're actually, Tennessee and Washington are pretty comparable defenses. So you're saying, you know, Washington has a better defense and they, you know, Dallas just put up 14 against a similar defense at home. Um, Jason Garrett, I think I have it in, you know, the write-up that we did on a, it should be posted on Twitter, but he's just terrible against the spread on a short week. Um, he always, as a favorite, he never covers as a favorite on Thanksgiving. It just never really happens. He never covers as a seven-point favorite um, as it is. It's just, you know, that's when you, you know, you're playing seven with Jason Garrett. I don't care about the circumstances. Um, I know the offensive line is banged up. They're trying to get Trent Williams back this week. We will definitely see about that. That's another thing. But I'm saying this line is still way too high, and it's because – you can't make a huge difference between Colt McCoy and Alex Smith. Um, I'm not like I'm not going to sit here and be in the Colt McCoy ba- you know fan club or anything. It's just there's not a drop off. There's not a huge drop off between what you're getting in Alex Smith and what you're getting in Colt McCoy. There just isn't. So um, it's just not that warranted whatsoever. You saw actually if you go watch that Texans Redskins game, the reason Washington was getting destroyed was because Alex Smith was playing awful. You know, it was. I mean, I know the offensive line's bad and everything like that, but the defense kept them in that game. Alex Smith was just really just terrible. You know, it's 10 7 right before the half, and he throws a pick six, and now he's down 17 7. And then he makes another blunder, and it's 20 7. You know, that was those 10 points are straight up Alex Smith just playing really badly in that situation. And, you know, then he gets hurt. I understand. I feel terribly for him. But all of a sudden, then it's 21 20, and that's all case, um, all Colt McCoy. And, you know, that's what I'm saying about Colt McCoy is um, he's like, I don't know if, I don't know who's better between, you know, Case Keenum or Colt McCoy. I don't. Like, they're right on the same spectrum. So you're talking about that is a starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, so that's what you have in, ter- in terms of Colt McCoy. Is Colt McCoy going to last an entire season and take a, the, this Washington team to the playoffs? No. Is he going to show up and not turn the football over? And pretty much, I mean, how good was Alex Smith this season? He was terrible. You know, he was really bad this season. If you really look at it, he was not great. Um, I say it every single week. It's just not a huge drop-off. I'm telling you guys right now it is. And I think McCoy – DJ Swearinger got on the radio this week and said that he actually thinks it's a potential upgrade because he said, you know, Alex Smith is the best game manager there is. But the fact is Colt McCoy is also a decent game manager, but he also has some gunslinger, has some spark, and could potentially provide some spark. Um he got Jordan Reed going. All the stats Jordan Reed got last week were all Colt McCoy. So I don't think Colt McCoy is, you know, this huge drop-off. And, you know, I do think Leighton Vander Esch has been great. I think he's been a, you know, the drop-off between Sean Lee and Vander Esch has not been huge. But it's still showing in the numbers against the pass, against explosive passes. I just said, you know, they have a, a potentially a more potent quarterback in terms of moving the football down the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Washington's going to win. I think it's going to be really close, though. I think it's honestly a three-point game on either side. And that's why, you know, I think we got down at like eight, eight and a half. You know, so it's like even if it's 28-20, we're going to win this bet. That's just crazy to me. I don't, I don't think you guys should really just say, um, oh, the huge drop-off between Alex Smith and Colt McCoy is just so unbearable. I can't, you know, I don't think so at all in this game. So I think that's something that we're going to be able to see in this game. So then we'll move on to the nightcap, the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. I mean, this is another one where um, I've, I've already said it, and, you know, I'm going to just say the same thing. I'm either on Drew Brees or I'm off of it altogether. And now that kind of the rest of America has figured out that Drew Brees is the man, 
um, it's hard to it's hard to get on him, you know, because the lines are just going to be completely inflated. And you know, this is a game where they're looking and they're saying, you know, it's Thursday night football. Um, everybody's going to be watching this game, you know, because it's eight o'clock at night. You know, we're all going to be sitting around the TV, you know, eating your dessert, watching this football game, wanting to bet on the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. And I mean. If it was like ten, like I get it, but it's pretty much fourteen. Like that's two touchdowns. Um, in this division rivalry with you know, um, wasn't um, or no, it wasn't the Saints. The Saints pushed the Falcons to the brink um, a couple times. You know when the Falcons were with Kyle Shanahan going to the Super Bowl, and you know the Saints were seven and nine, but still competed in those games. That's just the type of rivalry this is. It's hard to say that anybody's going to you know blow somebody out one side or the other. That said, like I'm saying, I'm on Drew Brees or I'm not on it at all, and I can't get on the Falcons because um, the last few weeks, you know, the Falcons have kind of been a trendy pick, and I've been kind of off of them. Right? We teased them with the under or we teased them with the over, and it pushed this week, and you know that's you know it pushed. So I mean, they didn't even they didn't do what I expected them to do really for two straight weeks, and really. Um, I just think they're, they're – I still think they're pretty much overhyped. Um, I mean, I know it's not showing in the line right now, but um, that's why I can't get on them is that even at this price where they're potentially at value, I think they have been overhyped. So I think maybe they're potentially just priced right now, and that's where you're probably just off of it altogether. Um, and then you're kind of looking at it, and um, you know, the one thing I always say to the Saints, at least they have a good run defense right now, and you can't run at the Saints. Um, their pass defense is iffy for sure. You know, where's where's Matt Ryan going to take them? Is he's going to be able to pass the football? They're, they don't have much of a running game right now. That's been a huge issue with their offense is that they have not been able to consistently run the football. So that's where you're kind of sitting back and saying, yeah, Matt Ryan could have some success passing the football. And, you know, I said it, you know, Carson Wentz could have some success passing the football last week. And i um, going to kind of look back into that and say, um, you know, talk about that later with the, with the Eagles, but... I think it's more of a situation where, yeah, the protection wasn't there. Um, they're struggling coaching, in my opinion. I think, you know, Sarkeesian, the Falcons, I know they've been struggling a bit. But I think they can pass the football the way that I thought Carson Wentz could this week. So, um, yeah, potentially, you know, your DFS guy, um, probably because everyone will be on, you know, what's his name? Uh, Breeze is, you know, Matt Ryan would probably be the sneakier play in this in this spot if you wanted, you know, your Thanksgiving guy. So, um We'd be looking to Matt Ryan in that situation. Probably be looking to Calvin Ridley or Sanu to kind of stack it with him, you know, because they could both get away, I would say. And, you know, the Saints are going to put Marshawn, and they're probably going to even shift their coverages over to Julio, kind of let anybody else beat them but Julio. They'll put Von Bell on Hooper. So it's really kind of those two are where you're looking at because they're not going to run the football. They're going to pass the football a ton and just try and keep up with them. And, I mean, if you look, they the Saints went into Atlanta, and yes, they won, but it wasn't overtime, and it was um, it was a really impressive drive, and we were actually on the Saints on that game, so that was a really fun game early into the season. But the fact of the matter is, um, it's just, it's so tough one to um, fade the Saints, but it's so tough too to lay fourteen in a division rivalry when they just went to overtime in the very first time they played. You know, even in the Falcon season, is pretty much on the line here. So it's it's the Falcons Super Bowl and the Saints are playing for a real Super Bowl. So um, it's tough to say that you know they're just going to come in here on a short week and blow them out by 14 points. But at the same time, I have, I'm not standing in front of the way of Drew Brees whatsoever. Um, over under, it's still uh, I'm, it's too early to really look into it for me. I'd probably think um, potentially to the under because the big thing that the Saints are going to want to do is. Alvin Kamara, and Alvin Kamara is the big play in fantasy. You know, I say it every week with the passes to the running back, with the running game. Um, this is one of those games where, you know, you saw Drew Brees go into the dome of mini, uh, Minnesota 
And you know, he threw for like 125 yards, but it was like two touchdowns, no interceptions, 70% passer, you know, but like 20 passes, you know, like 18 or 20 passing the football, like hyper efficient. But we're running the football, we're grinding it out, you know, we're kind of just, um, you know, they gave up 20 points in that game. So could you see like a 31 20 lead, um, Saints win, and that would go under for sure? So that's where I would probably lean under before anything. But that's, I'm, I'm still just kind of looking into that one, um, moving on to. Uh, yeah, just off of, off of that altogether. And I will say, I do kind of, I would think probably Traquan Smith would be nice, you know, if you're doing like a Thanksgiving Day thing and, you know, you're kind of stacking up some good players. Um, he would be another sneaky one because they'll probably put Trufant on Michael Thomas, but Traquan really, you know, bursted out last week and he would be on Robert Alford a lot. And, you know, Robert's getting beat deep down the field. Like I said, I don't have the stats on it, but um, I'll definitely be looking into how, you know, Robert Alford gets beat down the field because I think Traquan could be a play this this week in DFS, you know, a cheap play like he was last week. I know we kind of went to him last week a little bit. So moving on to the Jags and the Bills, um, this one's really interesting because um, you saw it, you know, this, uh, uh, Pittsburgh against the Jaguars. They got a 16 nothing lead. It was all pretty much based off of, you know, one Leonard Fournette, two um, Ben Roethlisberger was terrible, a lot of turnovers, um, everything like that kind of put the Jags in a good position to put the Steelers away. The Jaguars had just no um, ability to do that. And, you know, it was what I said on the podcast pretty much exactly. I said, you know, I think the Steelers will struggle to score. I, th- I said, you know, I think they'll score 17 on offense. They ended up scoring 20. So, you know, everyone hates what the Steelers did. Um, somewhat exceeded my expectations uh, if you actually look at it. Uh, and, you know, I, did, I thought they would get a defensive score and they didn't. But I said that the Jaguars cannot score 20 points in this game. And the only way they'll be able to is if the Steelers force them to in garbage time. And um, that's exactly what came true because the Jaguars are so one-dimensional at this point. And yes, they were able to early into the football game run the football. And, you know, they asked Mike Tomlin in his press conference, they were like, yeah, what was the big difference? You know, did you make a big scheme change between the first and second half? And he said, you know, no real scheme change. You know, what happened in this game was in the first half, Fournette was falling forward for, you know, five, six, seven. In the second half, we were pushing him back for, you know, three, two, one, you know, type of situation. Um, That's pretty much what he said. And he said, you know, you don't just, you don't scheme change for, you know, for the ability of this dude is extremely physical. We need to match his physicality. So that's kind of just all they did. And they were able to, as the game went on, kind of wear them down. Um, I know they went to Jordan Dangerfield because the Jaguars were just going heavy and running the football. I mean, you saw in Blake Bortles, I don't know if you guys saw it, but after every handoff, he just looked so unengaged. He knew they had no faith in him. Well, first off, they did have a little bit of faith in him, and he showed them that he, you know, they deserved no faith in him. Um, the first one, you know, he, it's third and five. Dude's wide open on a slant route. I'm talking about wide open. Blake Bortles is staring at him and decides to tuck, it, tuck the ball in and take a sack. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're putting the football from there. Um, and that, he took him out of field goal position by taking a sack one time. And then, you know, this was the best. And everybody's hating Mike Tomlin for this. And I was 100%. I completely agree with him. And this is where you analytics, guys. You know, I love the analytics. I always go to the analytics. But um, sometimes you just got to understand game flow. Uh, it was fourth and inches. They got a holding call. Tomlin accepted it to bring them to third and 11. And uh, they got a sack and, you know, a, almost a strip sack out of it because Blake Bortles had absolutely no confidence in himself. And you know what's – if a dude has no confidence in himself and it's fourth down and they could punt and you and your head coach says, you know what, I want another crack at this quarterback. I want this quarterback on third and 11 to try and throw the football. You don't think that destroys that dude's confidence? 
And it did. It absolutely did. And that's what Tomlin said in his press conference. He said, um, our best opportunity in this game was to make a splash play on defense. And the only opportunities we were able to get splash plays on defense were in third and 11 situations. We were not on, um, he was saying, you know, the way the game was being played and the fact that we were trailing um, put the Jaguars in an advantageous situation to where they were not in third and 11 very often. So he said, I have to take my chance and get that one third and 11. And I, I was completely with him on that. Blake Bortles is that bad of a quarterback. That's 100% the, the truth, man. And, you know, he should get benched and he's not going to get benched. And it's just so crazy now because, um, you know, the players are really starting to fall apart. And, I mean, Malik Jackson ended up getting benched. And he said after the game, you know, uh, to the media, go talk to the starters. I'm not one of them. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey pretty much says every week that, you know, um, he can't say it, but Blake Bortles is a terrible quarterback and yeah, they're going to continue to roll with him. And the big issue is, um, one, you're going to head on the road with him Two, you're going to head on the road to Buffalo. So, I mean, you know, this is a Florida team, Florida quarterback. I know they've played, you know, in Pittsburgh and in new England last winter, but, um, this is a tough one. And, you know, the bills, um, they just lost in the playoffs to this team last year. Um, the big thing with the Bills, and I say it all the time, and I say you guys got to quit disrespecting the Bills as a football team. They have the most embarrassing offense whatsoever. They have an extremely, extremely respectable defense, and it starts with an extremely respectable front seven, and it starts with Tremaine Edmonds playing some good run defense as a linebacker. So um, if the Jacksonville Jaguars think that they can just go into Buffalo and run the football like they did just you know against Pittsburgh, and, you know, it could set up, you know, Ben Roethlisberger could play, or, you know, Josh Allen could play just as bad as Ben Roethlisberger did on Sunday. There's no doubt about that for sure. Um, you know, turnovers and everything. You know, maybe Allen could even play better, actually, because he could run the football. But, you know, that's, you know, the Bills are not going to be in this game, you know, scoring the ball a ton. But if Jacksonville thinks that they can get an early lead and just run the football like they did against Pittsburgh, um, it's not going to happen. And here's the here's the big issue. If you... Don't just sit on the football and run the football. You're throwing the football with Blake Bortles. And what's that mean? That means Tredavious White, Micah Hyde. Um, that means this secondary is picking off Blake Bortles and going the other way with it. So like, I think the Jaguars are in a really tough spot offensively. Like, Where are you going to get your production offensively? Are you really just thinking that in a winter game, you're going to go in and pound the Buffalo Bills with your running game and survive? I mean, potentially because the Bills' offense is that bad. But I'm, you know, I'm wondering if the offense can do really strong in this game, and I'm not going to take the under. I know, I know, everything I'm saying is setting up for an under, but I'm not going to take it because these two are so prone to pick sixes. There's going to be pick. There could be, you know, the Bill or the Jaguars could literally win this game 27 to nothing off of three defensive touchdowns and two field goals. You know, uh, the Bills. I could see the same exact thing on the other side. So that's where I mean, I. I couldn't lay it with Jacksonville. I really can't in this spot because at this juncture, I don't, I'm not sure how they can move the football. Um, this is a really bad defense for them stylistically, especially coming off of, um, like I said, you can really start to see that now Blake Bortles understands what's going on. And he's saying, you know, I said it, you know, one time it was third and five and he checked to a run. Now it's third and five and they're calling runs. You know, now they're, you know, they're done um, even risking it with Blake Bortles. And like I said, you could see it after his handoffs. He was just completely checked out, completely knew that one, my coaching staff doesn't have confidence in me. Two, my defense doesn't have confidence in me. And probably, yeah, now at this point, three, I don't have confidence in myself. So that's why I can't get on Blake Bortles whatsoever. Um, and that's why I can't really, I can't touch anything in this game. It would be hard to, um, you know, anything I could do is talk myself into the bills, but that means, you know, talking yourself into Josh Allen. I'd be more apt to um, play it if it was Matt Barkley, um, as funny as that sounds.
So moving on to the Raiders and the Ravens. And, you know, uh, last week I think the Raiders beat the you know Arizona Cardinals. That was easily my worst call of the weekend. Um, and, I mean, geez, I, what are the Cardinals at this point? You know, I guess we're going to talk about them. But, you you know, you finally think they have some life. Um, the, you know, they're in a situation where they really should take advantage of a team. Um, they just try, you know, they ultra conservative, try and sit on the football. Um, really, really poor head coaching performance from Steve Wilkes. And I mean, it just continues to be embarrassing that, you know, Byron Leftwich is the most competent person in that building at this point. It's like, how, you know, how did it just get to that? And I mean, I'm not like trying to bash Byron Leftwich, but how is it that your team is that incompetent? But we'll get to that later. I mean, the other, you know, the Raiders... Um, the, the interesting thing is their defense has shown up for the past two weeks uh, after getting absolutely embarrassed by Nick Mullins. And, you know, Paul Gunther is a respectable defensive coordinator, believe it or not. Um, this is this is a personnel issue, um, a lot more than a scheme issue, in my opinion, when it comes to the defensive side of the football with the um, with the Raiders. And they have played respectable in the last two weeks. You know, the Chargers put up, what, 20 points on them? And, you know, like I said, Arizona couldn't salt away a lead. So... But now they head to Baltimore. Um, two, it's going to be probably pretty cold, um, and I just I don't trust their defense whatsoever. Especially, listen, um, they're going to say the Joe Flacco, everything like that. Um, I kind of told you guys how it was going to go on the last podcast. You know, I said, yeah, I understand Joe Flacco, RG three, Lamar Jackson, sick. Here's what a smart team would do, and here's what the Ravens should do. And I've kind of said that for, what, like three weeks now. Here's what a smart team should do. Here's what the Ravens should do. And then, you know, it doesn't play out exactly, you know, because um, I'm kind of spitting, you know, the cold hard truth. And the Ravens cannot afford to, public relations-wise, spit the cold hard truth. So, and I, th- I'm, I think they're doing a tremendous job with the Joe Flacco thing, actually. Um, and, you know, every week he's potentially going to play, you know, and every week he's, you know, always hopeful this week. You know, that's what I saw. Like, he's not, there's not an injury designation. His injury designation, he's, he's hopeful this week. So, um, but here's the facts, man. Uh, I've said it. They, they, have, they, they were not blindsided by Lamar Jackson stepping in after the bye week and beating the Bengals. They just weren't because I wasn't, you know. <laughs> so, like, they're three steps ahead of me, and I'm three steps ahead of apparently the media because I was saying Lamar's just going to run all over the Bengals. Their linebackers are way too slow. Um, the game plan was already in place um, weeks ago. I'm telling you guys, weeks ago, for sure, because you, they have all the offensive coordinators who could easily put it together. I already explained that. It's the same thing against Oakland. Say, yeah, you can say Joe Flacco is going to play, but I said it against Cincinnati. Joe Flacco has been 2-8 and eight against Cincinnati in his last 10. They figured him out. You know who, you know who did figure him out? Paul Gunther, because Paul Gunther actually this season – left Cincinnati to go to Oakland. This is his first year in Oakland because of Gruden, obviously. He left Cincinnati last year. So, like, if anybody knows Joe Flacco, it's Paul Gunther of the Oakland Raiders. So I'm I'm telling you guys that Joe Flacco is not starting in this game. I don't care what you hear. We will see. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Joe Flacco is not starting in this game. And it gives the Ravens for the second straight week a better chance to win. Um, and it's the same exact ideology of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, their linebackers are way too slow. They're way too unprepared. Um, this offense is going to be complex, you know, the, the Raiders just played, you know, what turned into a pretty boring offense with the Arizona Cardinals last week, especially a lot of it was Josh Rosen. Some of it was the offensive line for sure. I know the Ravens are trying to get their offensive line healthier. It's not healthy at the moment, but what's been a huge impact for them is all the misdirection and all the motion and all the, you know, I've said it, you know, when three guys could carry the football, one guy in motion, one running back and one quarterback, and all three can run it. It's still hard to defend 
it's still hard in this NFL and everything like that. It's still hard to defend. And the Ravens showed that in this game. And I think Lamar is going to run all over Oakland. And, you know, a really, or at least a decent stat to, you know, remember is that, yes, he carried the football 27 times. It was three kneel downs and it was eight where he went untouched straight out of bounds. So um, it was really only 16 carries in that game when you break it down in terms of a defender putting hands on him um, or him actually having to make physicality type of moves or decisions. So only 16 when you actually break it down. So that's actually a pretty good sign. You know, that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, a, a lot of running, a lot of Lamar Jackson, and I'm still looking for, um, they're going to set up deep passing to John Brown off of it. And they set up some passing to where um, Jackson has a run pass option. <laughs> Listen, everyone, whatever you want to say about how smart he is, he's definitely a smart player um, when it comes to the game of football. So he's, he's understanding things. He's, you know, being put in situations where he's rolling out with the option to run and pass, and he's actually making the smart decisions. Um, he, like, I keep saying, you know, for, the big thing is, one, the accuracy isn't there for him to consistently drop back and make reads in the pocket. Two, um, it's still moving fast for him, and he still has a bit of the flight mentality. But I said at Louisville, his freshman year, it was all flight. Second year, somewhat flight. Third year, he's fighting. You know, it's the fight or flight mentality. Like, he's fighting at that point. Um, that's exactly how I see it going in Baltimore. And that's why I thought those snaps early on in his career were good. Because the the slower it gets, the more apt he'll be or the more prone he'll want to stand in as the pocket collapses around him. Right now, he doesn't want the pocket to collapse around him. Obviously, you know, nobody does. But smart, experienced quarterbacks know how to navigate muddy pockets. That's It's really hard in terms of the speed of the NFL. And it's going to take him... Um, a lot of time to do it, um, especially when his natural tendency is to run in there. But I think the, the, I honestly think that they're doing it in a really smart fashion and they're finding ways to slow the football game down for him, but they're also making their offense more complex and more extreme than it has been before. So um, I think they're, I would, I really like the Ravens. I love, I love Lamar Jackson in DFS this week. Um, he threw for 150 yards and he had an interception and he had 18, 19 fantasy points, you know, depending on your scoring, you know, potentially up to 20. That's like a floor. That's as bad as it's going to get. This is his first start. This is the week because he's going to get rushing yards. He's going to get rushing touchdowns. Um, he's going to carry it 10 to 15 times minimum. And that's going to equal 70, 80 yards. So that's like 8 to 10 points right there. Then everything he does passing is on top of a base of 8 to 10 points. Plus, you know, it could be 14, just, you know, if he gets a rushing touchdown. Um, if he gets 80 yards and a rushing touchdown, you know, that's a base. And then you get passing stats. So um, he is, I think he's going to absolutely torch the Oakland Raiders. Um, I think they're going to come on the road. For um, it is a second straight road game. I know you know o or Oakland, Arizona isn't you know crazy, but now they're heading across the country for a 10 a.m. start with the worst coach in terms of preparing my guys. I'm a guy that you know I'm wondering how mad he is that they actually won that game. I think that you know there was uh, reports that Derek Carr and him got into a physical altercation. I'm wondering you know how much is it that. I need to win or else my quarterback's actually, you know, he's going to lead a revolt against my guys. So um, either way, I, you know, I th obviously think it, it, it's more the players um, of the Oakland Raiders have some respect for themselves and are showing up despite the fact that their coach is blatantly tanking. Um, but I just think that now the players are in an awful spot and they're against a very confusing offense. They're against an offense that will not take their foot off the pedal the way that um, Josh Rosen and them did. So I do think in this situation that uh, Baltimore does roll. I think Lamar Jackson has a huge game. And, um, yeah, that's I would really play Lamar Jackson. The Gus Edwards thing, um, it seems like he's the guy because, um, you know, him and Lamar seem to have faith in each other. They have a trust in each other. The Ravens have been adamant that they want to roll with the hot hand. 
and he seems to be the hot hand. So um, we'll see. I don't know if it's you know if Alex Collins is the hot hand this week. He's the hot hand moving forward. You know, it's that it's that um, up in the air at this point. That's why it's tough to say go get Gusway Edwards invest full time because I said you know there's going to be a running back for sure that is going to have huge stats because of what Lamar Jackson can do, and they have not even fully incorporated everything that Jackson can do, but they are 100% on the right track, and they're doing exactly um, the way that you should. They really are. Um, I applaud the Ravens 100%. So um, it, it's a Pittsburgh guy applauding the Ravens, so you know it's completely genuine. So um, that's where I really feel, and I really think that um, Lamar is just going to have another pretty good game, and I think that uh, Oakland doesn't have the gas in this one to keep up. So I'm going to look for, um, in a rare case, Baltimore. I don't think I'm going to lay the 10, or, you know, if I – if, like I said, if it's an office pool, you've got to lay the 10, in my opinion. So, we'll see. So, moving on, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, <laughs> yeah, here's a good one. you got the 49ers coming on in off a of bye week. Um, they are rolling with Nicky Mullins again. And, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, um, and I kind of say it every week, you know, fire up your guys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, potentially, again, uh, with, with a little Nick Mullins action. Maybe some Pierre Garcon. Um, this is one where you really have to look into the practice reports because the 49ers are extremely banged up. Um, you're wondering if, you know, um, I believe they're coming in off a of bye this week, right? Or uh, I think either way, they're coming in off of the bye. And they're, I think you want to try and get, you know, Richie James established one and Dante Pettis established because these are kind of your rookie draft picks. So wouldn't fully invest in Pierre Garcon. But um, thinking that potentially, you know, that's why I'm saying you got to read these practice reports pretty long, pretty hard because um, the way to beat Tampa Bay is to pass the football on them, and they're not getting a pass rush. And Kyle Shanahan, you know, I'm, I've been sitting here saying it's not like Nick Mullins is lighting the world on fire, but they, they, he has a head coach who's going to put him in positions to win, and he's confident enough to where when he's in position – He's gonna like he's gonna fire, you know, and he's gonna make the plays, and that's why um, it's so interesting. I mean, George Kittle is probably auto start in this game, you know, obviously in season long, but like DFS, you're probably looking to George Kittle, and then yeah, you're just wondering what other guys because um, they are decent against the run. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, but you know, Eli Manning just went off on them through the air, you know, and I mean, I know Nicky Mullins had a decent game against you know the Giants, so um, he could do what Eli could do against the Giants or against the Bucks this week, you know, p- potentially. And the you know the Buccaneers are just falling apart, just completely. And that's how you lose a game, you know, to the Giants. And I know they did their whole, you know, uh, for the second straight time, uh, pull our quarterback, and here we come, we're rolling back, you know, uh, you know they've made three in-game quarterback decisions. Uh, one time it led to a comeback against Cincinnati. The other time, you know, or this time, they do end up losing against the Giants. Um, they kind of just dug too too big of a hole, but they did start a pretty much of a rally. And I mean, this is this team is coached so poorly. That yeah, I mean, I, I say it all the time. You know, the quarterback's going to be money in fantasy because one, they're going to get in these high-scoring games, um, and two, they're going to throw the football down the field consistently. But yeah, they're just going to turn the football over a ton because of that high propensity and because they don't have a running game whatsoever. But I mean, yeah, you look at the San Francisco 49ers; they don't have much of a pass rush either. Um, so it's it's going to be really interesting. I think the difference is that the Niners have some semblance on defense. Um, you know, they have a guy like Richard Sherman. They could end up, you know, he's playing really well. Akello, I think, is still playing better than some people think. Um, I'm wondering, you know, the rest of their secondary is so banged up, especially in terms of their explosive pass defense. So, you know, Winston is probably a play in this game. I just personally, I would be on the 49ers before I would be on the Buccaneers in terms of the spread in this game. 
I could, I could definitely, you know, I saw it went from three and a half to three. I don't think you're going to see three and a half again, probably. Or if you see three and a half, probably would look to the 49ers in my opinion. Um, I don't think I can go over because it's the same idea I was saying with Eli and Fitz that, um, you know, when it's these two poor quarterbacks, and I know neither has a pass rush, um, both secondaries are, you know, questionable. Like I said, I'm going to, I'm leaning to San Francisco because I think their secondary is going to be better in this game. But, um, at the end of the day, two quarterbacks, potential to turn the football over a ton. Really hard to get, you know, too, too invested in either side, um, especially in terms of the total. But I would definitely look to San Francisco because um, Kyle Shanahan could just coach circles around everybody in that building. And you get him coming off of a bye. And you get, I mean, you know, like I said with Jameis Winston, um, it's so tough because no, they're never going to get into a flow with their offense because every two weeks they have a new quarterback. So um, that's going to be so interesting. I mean, they sh- they just need to fire Dirk Cutter. But whatever, they're they're not going to do it. And that's why I would uh, that's why I would look to the, to the 49ers in this game. I think it's really going to start spiraling out of control for the Bucks. And I think you saw that when you know you're getting your ass handed to you by Eli and the Giants. And speaking of Eli and the Giants, we'll kind of just move on to him against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we made a play on him plus seven, and it's kind of just the idea of the Eagles really can't be laying seven points at this juncture in the NFL season. Um, we saw what they did against the New Orleans Saints. That was, um, you know, it's not their Super Bowl, but that was like a Super Bowl of sorts, absolutely. That was a game, you know, I don't. they didn't have to win it because they still have two against Washington somehow. You know, they could still make up a lot of ground in this division, you know. Making they could make it up quick and they could run the table and win the division, but still, this team is lifeless. And I said it against about Peterson last week, and I mean double down on it. He's having he's having just an awful season, and I'm not saying you know fire him. I don't think he's a bust of a coach. I do think that we're all way too overreactionary, and you know anybody calling him the best this guy or you know the greatest ever since that. And you know like I said he. I think he actually was really smart to take advantage of, oh, wow, the media loves the hell out of me. I'm going to write this book and sell it. It's just, you know, the game continues to grow. You know, the game continues to change. And, you know, Bill Belichick isn't kind of stopping halfway through his season to write a book and sell it. <laughs> or, you know, halfway through his career, you know, or one year, one year into his career to write a book and sell it. You know, Bill Belichick is saying, we got another one to win next year. We have to get better this year. Whereas um, I kind of, I really do kind of think Peterson said, you know what, this is my thing. I'm the man. You guys are telling me I'm the man. You know, and now he's kind of here, and I'm not the man. And I, like I said, he's he's acting smug about it, and he's acting like he's so smart because all summer when you hear you're the man, and then the same people who are calling you the man start saying that you're the goat. You know, or like uh, the goat in the, like the bad way. Um, you start to you start to actually hear, you know. Or you start to get kind of defensive about yourself. So that's kind of where I think he is. And I think he's just kind of um, like outcoaching himself sometimes. Um, Really just, you know, one situationally. I mean, he did the Marv Lewis thing where, you know, I say with the Saints and the Chiefs, these are two teams you cannot really punt the football to, especially in, you know, kind of the neutral zone of the 40 to 40 yard line. Like you can't punt the football in those situations because one, you're not going to make up enough yardage, you know, if you punt that into the end zone and they get it at the 20, that's not enough yardage to punt the football because yardage doesn't matter because these teams score in waves. Um, and he did it, and they scored immediately, and then it's, all of a sudden this game is completely out of his hands. Um, and it just and you know then he goes for it in the middle of the game, and then he doesn't go for it another time, and it just seems like 
Like he doesn't quite understand, you know, he's trying to be aggressive because that's who he is, but he doesn't know when and where to be aggressive. And like, I really think Doug Peterson's a little bit in his own head in this situation. And it, I mean, it's hurting the team, but the other thing that is obviously just destroying the team is their injuries. And, you know, their secondary is just absolutely brutal. It's starting to get to the point where I don't know, you know, some of the names on these guys. So, um, and, you know, they were bad against the the Giants a couple weeks ago or, you know, last time they played. And I know Eli was pretty bad, but um, he's been better since then. Um, he's been better in terms of when there's not a pass rush and he can kind of just sit and hang in the pocket. He has some of the best skill players in the world. Like they should, like I, I keep saying, they should be like five and three or like something like that at this point. But um, it's just ridiculous that they're not. But I do think that because, you know, another situation Philly has – not quite had the same pass rush this season as they have. You know, that's in terms of uh, more depth being missed. Um, they're missing. They're really missing depth in a lot of areas. They're missing their secondary in pretty much every single area, and then they're missing depth in their secondary. But they're missing depth, and they're missing. They're really missing depth in every single area. So um, I'm putting it on Schwartz, um, Peterson on offense. I'm not putting it on Schwartz as much on defense. I'm really not. But um, I do think that the Giants, because of their skill players, like I said, this is a situation where, yes, if Schwartz had some horses, he could probably scheme and destroy Eli. Schwartz doesn't have the horses. Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram. I think they're going to have a decent little day against the Eagles, and I think they're going to be able to keep up. And then you're saying, keep up with what? You know, Carson Wentz was in a dome against the worst pass defense, you know, explosive pass defense that he will face, you know, with his new weapon, Golden Tate, and everything like that. And then you hear, uh, you know, grow their new offensive coordinator who, you know, they lost Reich to the Colts who's having just a tremendous time. And, you know, DeFilippo's in Minnesota. Um, you could argue, you know, how much of a good time he's having, but they lost those two and they got grow coming in here who says, you know, well, we traded for golden Tate. And we don't really know how to use him. And it's like, wait, what? And you also drafted Dallas Goddard and, you know, uh, I think it was your first pick and, you know, he's seeing the field, he's seeing the field against the Jaguars. He has his big, big breakout game somewhat. Um, and then you trade for Golden Tate and he sees the field less and less and less. So it's like, did you trade, you know, do you know under, you know, is the um, head coach and the GM on the same page? Or are they both kind of in their own head, you know, because Roseman last year, you know, made the big trade for Ajay that swung things, you know, is he kind of just um, throwing darts and, you know, hoping that it works and the head coaching staff is like, wait, we needed a Golden Tate, you know, what are we doing with this here? You know, so that's an issue in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, Wentz should have time to sit back and throw the football, Wentz should have had time to sit back and throw the football and, you know, receivers should be running free against the Saints and it didn't happen. You know, um, their offensive line is, one, it's banged up, two, it's not as good as it was last year. Um, they have no semblance of a running game. Um, the, like I said, the Giants, I think, are a little bit better um, ever since Olivier Vernon came back and I think that's held up for them as a run defense and a defense in general. They're getting a little bit better. Um, they have Collins who can stop, you know, at least Ertz in this situation. So, I mean, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, you know, I don't think the Giants, I mean, actually, I think it's, it's a toss-up of a game. And that's why if you're going to give somebody a touchdown in this game, I mean, it's crazy to me. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles are dejected. Like, they walked off the field against Dallas, and you could see that um, they kind of felt like they didn't have it anymore. And then they went into New Orleans and got their asses beat. And like I said, I think their coaches are in their own head a little bit. I think their players are just completely um, wiped out and tired and, you know, um, injured. And I think that, you know, uh, I think that, you know, the GM might be in his head a little bit. So this is a team that um, I'm not looking for to bounce back anymore. I'm over that completely. And now I'm kind of looking to fade him because you look at the New York Giants quotes, Odell every week, you know, uh, got to win seven straight, got to win six straight, you know, how, how many straight, you know, uh, that's what, that's their mentality. We can still make the playoffs. And um, yes, they are not mathematically eliminated. 
I think they're going to push it to the limit and potentially extend that idea um, one, one week further. I really do. So we'll see how that one goes. So moving on to the Browns and the Bengals and the Hugh Jackson special, as you know, you'd love to call it with Hughes apparently running the defense. And, you know, what was so crazy to me was that uh, they were just so unprepared for Lamar Jackson to run the football. And it's like, what, what did you think was coming, guys? Marv, Hugh, what, what did you guys think was coming in this game? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard. And this is another one where I'm kind of just looking into the underdog potentially. Um, and, you know, A.J. Green is out. I think Denzel Ward should be healthy. The Browns are coming off of the bye, which, you know, a very late bye week. They were kind of running on empty um, heading into the bye week. But then they got a win, you know, like an uplifting win in some ways. Um, I'm kind of nervous because I do say, you know, some teams coming up in, you know, if you go win, bye, you start to feel a little good about yourself. But I think that because it's an interim situation in all in all areas, it's a rookie quarterback and it's, you know, Miles Garrett so young, Denzel Ward so young. I don't think you walk into the bye week feeling good about yourself coming off of a win, you know, really in my opinion. So I think they could, you know, not just be completely let down and completely outclassed in this game. And I mean, you know, <laughs> the Bengals aren't going to outclass anybody anymore. So they're in, they're just in a really bad spot, you know, coaching-wise, um, organizationally. I, I think, you know, and I talked about it, that I think the Steelers kind of exposed, you know, kind of drug it out of them. And they've just free-falled ever since then. I think they're, you know, one and four uh Counting the Steeler game, maybe, but either way, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm wondering about this. You know, you're looking at Baker Mayfield coming off of the bye with his new OC, with his uplifting OC, is you know how it's being shaped or how you know it was against Atlanta, and you're saying, well, how did they do it against Atlanta? Was um, they threw the ball to Duke Johnson first and foremost, and they second off you know Nick Chubb show, and you're looking at Cincinnati and saying, you know, what are teams really just doing against this team? Um, throwing to their running backs and having a lot of success because the linebackers are too slow. And then, yeah, getting their running backs to the second level and having success in the second level because their linebackers are too slow. And um, another, I think it could be another Nick Chubb game, and I think it could be another Duke Johnson game, and I think it's a game where, um, yeah, Cincinnati, I don't think, or Cleveland, I don't think they're necessarily scared of what Cincinnati brings to the table, you know. So I do think that they could have a decent little time moving the football. Those are the players that I would look to um, in, in the uh, passing game and really on the offensive side of the ball because Denard's back for Cincy. Um, I think their defense is at some point going to start trending up. You wonder, you know, um, I, if Hugh, whatever Hugh tells them about his experience in Cleveland, I honestly don't know if that's going to help or hurt at this point. I just don't. So we'll see about that. Um, you look to the Cincinnati side of the football, wondering what they're going to do on offense. Um, they did get Gio and Joe Mixon on the field at the same time which like shouldn't be revolutionary, but uh, it's like, it's finally like they're actually doing something like progressive, I guess. Um, now it's time to start throwing to, you know, Joe Mixon and that's where they would have their success um, with really both of them against the linebackers of Cincinnati. But like, it's really tough. It's really tough to say that they would be able to, um, you drafted Denzel Ward because he's a guy who could follow receivers into the slot. So I'm wondering if that means a lot of Ward on Tyler Boyd, it could also mean Denzel Ward on John Ross, and you kind of just um, take away the deep ball. But Greg Williams plays his safety so deep. Um, Greg Williams would be dumb to put Denzel Ward on John Ross because he plays his safety so deep, and his whole idea is keep things in front of you. So if you want to do that, then you shut down Tyler Boyd with Denzel Ward. And if they do that and, and you know Boyd is on Ward, um, like I said, I, I like the Browns' chances in this game to um, potentially come in with the upset. I mean, this is a situation where – you know, 
potentially metrically, I think they're right about the same. You know, the number three, I think is probably pretty good. But I think Cleveland coming off of the bias saying, like I said, rookie quarterback, interim coaches, we're playing for something. Um, since he kind of feels like, you know what, this is same old crap with these same old players in these same old situations. And I, I compared it to the Clippers in the preseason. You know, I said, at some point, Chris Paul's got to go and Blake's got to go and, you know, let's figure it out. And like, somebody's, somebody's got to go here in Cincinnati and a Browns upset would probably, you know, at least try to try to ignite it. So we'll see if that's what happens in that game. Moving on, you got the Jets and the Patriots, and I'm probably not even going to, you know, spend too much time this early into the week on it. At least um, got the Patriots laying nine and a half. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would probably be looking. I know it opened at eight; it's up to nine and a half. I think, you know, at some point, probably like ten or eleven, you would get the numbers, guys, on the uh, on the what's it called, the Jets, but. I think it's it's potentially a spot for the Patriots. They're both coming off of a bye. Um, the obvious thing is, you know, where are the Jets health-wise off of the bye? You know, you really got to look into that. And that's why, like I said, I'm not even close to on it because Anderson had health. Anunwa had health. Their center had health. Um, Darnold was out, you know. Um, cornerbacks. Tremaine Johnson, I think, just came back last week. He didn't look great. But you're hoping that he could get back into it. You know, you're just wondering where this team is. That's really, you know, um, you got to spend time reading, you know, um, quotes about, you know, from Bowles because, you know, he just got embarrassed to the Bills before the bye. You know, is he coaching for his job? Are the players behind him because Jamal Adams called dudes out? Um, just so much for the Jets. This could be a team just ready to lay down and die. And, you know, the Patriots usually play the Jets tight. And, you know, um, that's where a lot of people could potentially be saying, you know, oh, this is the, you know, that classic – Patriots Jets trap, and that's where I'm saying, you know, you got to read the quotes, you got to look at who's healthy, you got to see what's going on because I'm wondering if the Patriots do just kind of come in and, you know, they're off of a loss here, you know, it, it was lost by, and you know, everyone's calling for the demise of Tom Brady for some stupid reason. It's like stop it with this stuff. Like he's they're, like they're going to be in there, you know, they're playing January football. The demise you don't just demise when you're playing January football. So I mean, their defense isn't that good. Like Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning fell off, they had in the best defense ever, like or like top one of the best defenses of all time. That's how Peyton Manning in his on his last legs got to January. Their defense is like bad, and they're getting to January. Like it's it's not it's not Tom Brady, guys. It's not Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, he's not like I said, he's not elite. He's not like Mahomes, Rogers physically. He's still he's the sharpest dude. He manip- manipulates safeties. He walks up to the line and he's three steps ahead of you. Like, stop it. He's not, he's not washed up yet. It's not, it's not over yet. And, you know, but the interesting thing is the Jets' secondary is pretty talented. So, um, and, you know, he's still – Gordon is just so um, play-to-play, really, just so iffy, questionable, um, everything like that. Gronk's supposed to come back. Um, you're looking for a huge Gronk game. It's a huge matchup. It's a good matchup for him um, if he's healthy. You know, he's missed, what, two games in a bye week? He should be healthy. Um, I know, you know, the Patriots tried to trade him. This is it for Gronk. Like, he's, he's got like 10 games in his career, or at least in the Patriots, you know. Um, and I think he has 10 games left in his career. So um, this is it for him. So off of the bye, potentially healthy in a good matchup where, you know, like the Patriots are coming off of um, a bad spot. So I'm wondering, and I think that they could have, or Gronk could have a good game. But um, if he doesn't, the Patriots may not cover and may not score, you know, score enough to cover, honestly, because of, the Jets do have a decent pass defense. If they do show up and play their game um, on their, you know, and at home, it could be a good spot. But it's tough to say. And I mean, the big thing is the Jets aren't good enough um, in terms of running the football, and they could really get exposed on the edges. 
Um, that's, that's bad for the Patriots who could run a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweeps. Um, potentially, you know, I'm not saying start Cordell Patterson because I think we'll only get like five carries, but I think one of those could really go for, you know, it could be a jet sweep motion to the edges and, you know, something could really happen. Um, and then I think Sonny Michelle is the big play in this game because you have a heavy favorite against a bad running defense. And, you know, Jordan Howard, who hasn't done anything running the football, had his best game. You know, he had like 80-something yards against the Jets and a touchdown. Um, I think Sonny goes well over 100, probably has a touchdown as well. And, I, you know, they kind of just get a lead, salt him away. Like I said, I don't know. The offense of the Jets I still think is going to be so out of a whack that the Patriots will, you know, probably, you know, like what, 31-14 type of situation be able to cover that spread potentially. So that's kind of where I'm leaning in this situation. Moving on, you got Seattle Seahawks at the Carolina Panthers. Um, Panthers laying three, um, potentially to three and a half. I think at three and a half, I would be looking to the Seattle Seahawks actually in this game. I just think the Seahawks are a better team, and I kind of have been saying for a while now that I don't think the Panthers are necessarily as real as their, their record was. And then, you know, I said, I think Pittsburgh could beat them. But, you know, if, they're, if they are a real team, they're going to hang tough with Pittsburgh for sure. And then Pittsburgh just waxed them, you know. And then I said, um, well, this could be, a, you know, a bounce back spot because Detroit is lifeless. And then you go to lifeless Detroit and you are equally as lifeless as them. So that's where I'm just saying, you know, I don't think that this is a real team whatsoever. I don't think you could say just because they're at home, they're going to bounce back in this spot in Seattle. Um I was looking to the you know 1 p.m. slot on the East Coast, and that's where Seattle's going to be in this situation, but they're actually one of the few teams that is pretty good in this situation. It comes down to Pete Carroll, who is always good in you know any spot, you know, oh, London. You know, we were actually on Pete Carroll, um, or we weren't on him for London. I was telling you guys to take him in London because of Pete Carroll, and we were on him in Detroit in the 1 p.m. slot, and they you know pretty much handled Detroit. So you know they went to Detroit and handled Detroit. Carolina goes to Detroit and struggles against Detroit. You know, and that's not that's not the you know exact ideology that I'm rolling with in this game. But I I really think that the big thing is that. Um, I don't think Carolina's going to be able to do their bread and butter in this game. And that's what I was kind of saying against Detroit. Their offense got out of a whack where Detroit was pretty much saying, we stink in terms of deep passes. Go ahead and just try it on us. Um, you're going to have success. After the catch, you're going to have success in open space. Carolina was just saying, well, we're a run-first football team. We're an option football team. You know, like We can't do that. And yeah, that's pretty much what happened is they tried to run the football. They didn't have nearly enough success running the football. Um, against a good run defense, and they got you know pretty much one dimensional, and your one dimension isn't very good, you know, in terms of um, we don't rely on this one dimension very very often. Um, I think Seattle could do the exact same thing in this game. You know, they could shut down this rushing attack. I think they have a really good run defense. You know, obviously led by Bobby Wagner. Um, this is one where I think if KJ Wright plays, I'll definitely be on it. I know he's questionable. I'm pretty sure at this point. Like I said, it's a Tuesday podcast, but he's so. I say it all the time. He's so good against passes to the running back. Um, that's where all of a sudden you're like, man, Christian McCaffrey is a bad play in this situation. So we'll we'll definitely see about that. Um, you know, the potential to have a good game is uh, Samuel and Moore. It's just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not banking on you know. Um, the big thing is you have to line a guy up on the left side because, you know, potentially on the right side, I'll have to look into who lines up on the right side and left side too. So, um, But I think for the most part, 
Funchess is not going to have a huge game. And I think what you do is you cycle your fast guys in against the young Trey Flowers. You put Funchess on uh, Griffin, and Griffin kind of has a, you know kind of shuts him down. I think Griffin would shut him down. I think Griffin would shut down whoever you put up over there, and I think whoever you put up on the other side is going to have some decent success. But um, that's why you know that's another thing I'll look into, and I'll probably post it on Twitter as like a DFS play. Maybe I'll have him in there, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And I, but that's what I'm just saying is that you know they're going to take away the best part of Car- of Carolina's offense. And they they always show up in this situation. Carolina and Seattle, for some reason, have like an actual rivalry that goes back to you know a few, a few playoff performances. Um, Seattle won at home against Carolina a couple years back. Uh, Seattle went to Carolina the year that Carolina went to the Super Bowl, and Carolina kind of waxed them. So they have a little bit of a rivalry, and it's um, it's always fun. You know, Russell and Cam. A lot of people, you know, back when those two were you know going back and forth in the playoffs, were saying, "Oh, is this you know Brady and uh, Manning and all that?" Um, it's not that, but uh, it, it is fun when those two get together because. They are very electric quarterbacks. I think this is a potential Russell Wilson spot, you know, and it's, you know, similarly to what happened against Pittsburgh. And I was saying, let's go under with the, with the Detroit Lions, because I think Detroit can move the football on this, you know, paper phony uh, Carolina defense. But I don't think Detroit has the inclination to move the football, you know, and they don't have Marvin Jones. Um, that was a big factor. And yeah, I mean, that's Detroit moved the football well enough to win the football game, obviously. Um, but th- they played at their pace. Again, you know, they played their game. And that's why I went under with the Chicago Bears. You know, that's what I was saying. Detroit wants to play this thing slow. They want to grind things out now. That's their new mentality with uh, Patricia. Um, so I'm saying that, you know, Pittsburgh just went you know, berserk against them. Uh, Detroit said, we're going to play slow. We're going to play our game. And it worked against them. You know, I think that there's potential where I know what's their name. Seattle is a very run heavy offense. I think there's some potential to where there's no pass rush for Carolina. They're really struggling, and you know they're getting torched with the deep football. Some Tyler Lockett, you know, some Russ Wilson to Tyler Lockett action. Um, Russ Wilson, you know, potentially because there's no pressure moving the football with his legs. Um, a potential sleeper in DFS, I think, is Russell Wilson, and um, that's why with the with the total, um, I think it's like a potential sneaky over. But at the same time, it's forty seven and a half. And, you know, it's two run-first offenses, you know, two run-heavy offenses. So I'm definitely going to spend some time and look more into that than um, not look into it. But I think Russ Wilson is actually um, kind of the guy in DFS or, you know, a fantasy play, um, a little bit more sneakier than some people think. And I do actually think there's a good chance that Seattle could walk away with this game. So um, at three and a half, I would look to Seattle and, I'd you know, probably look to Seattle before I would look to Carolina in this game, honestly. So, um Moving on, 425, uh, Miami Dolphins catching nine at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts, man, they're so for real. And every time you look at their spreads, you're like, man, they are so overinflated. And um, they keep covering every single week. And that's why, you know, I'm looking into this and, you know, um, it's another one where you're saying, yeah, it's probably overinflated. And I'm still saying it's Andy Luck. It's the Colts. They're playing the best football in the world right now. I'm not going to be the guy. I'm, I don't think I'm going to be the guy to jump in front of it. Um, the, the issue with that is, um, one, that Tannehill's back. Two, um, is that, you know, I, I say it all the time, their cornerbacks stink. And I know we told you, start Marcus Mariota in fantasy last week. That obviously went terribly, terribly wrong. Um, he did get hurt and obviously didn't even play. Um, you know, like over half the game, I'd say like 58% of the game he didn't even play. But the fact is he was pretty terrible in the first 42% anyway. So I know that didn't work. But um, I don't know. I think that was just a weird game for Tennessee. And um, I guess we'll – I don't – oh, they play on Monday night. But, yeah, they're in a, another weird spot. You know, they're just such a weird team now. But either way, Indianapolis just completely destroyed them. Um, 
And they, they showed good defense, but I didn't walk away from that saying that they were a good defensive team. And, you know, you're getting Ryan Tannehill back against some bad cornerbacks. And um, I was saying, you know, when Tannehill's flow and he's able to get the ball out of his hands quickly, um, his receivers are able to make cornerbacks miss. And then it sets up some deep passing to a guy like Kenny Stills. Um, another situation where I need to look into the health, um, I'm pretty sure Grant's out for sure for Miami. Um, I'm not sure about Devontae Parker whatsoever. So, um, you know, this is if, if they don't have healthy receivers, I do think the Colts just, um, you know, get enough stops to completely shut this team down. And, you know, um, nobody's going to stop the Colts offense right now. Or, you know, not the Miami de- defense, that's for sure. Um, especially, you know, I say it all the time, the linebackers with Miami. Um, how do you attack slow linebackers or, you know, um, just, you know, the Miami linebackers just getting exposed every week. How do you attack that? Um, well, one Marlon Mack, two Naheem Hines, three, uh, you know, Eric Ebron, four Jack Doyle. Like that. Uh, this team is designed to absolutely embarrass um, the Miami Dolphins on defense. And Frank Reich is, like I said it, you know, it's really cool how he's used, or, you know, it'd be cool if he used, you know, all those tight ends and running backs together. And, man, he's doing, I, I, I say it, it's so much more creative than even I could imagine is how he's getting um, just all his, you know, all his skill players in one-on-one situations in space. You know, last week it was T.Y. Hilton because, you know, you get Malcolm Butler or, you know, you actually got a Dory Jackson for the most part. And I was saying that I thought a Dory played extremely well against Gordon, but it was going to be different against T.Y. and it was. So, um I, I wouldn't step in front of the Colts. <laughs> I don't care that Ryan Tannehill's healthy, and I don't care that the line's jacked up. Um, I, I've been saying a lot of dogs, um, and you know, I hate that I love all the heavy favorites. It just seems kind of square that I love the heavy favorites and love the short dogs. But um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't jump in front of the Colts at this spot. Um, I still just think they're playing way too well, and I don't think Tannehill does enough for me. Um, I know Gase is coming off of a bye. Gase is a great offensive mind. Um and like I said, the Colts' defense is exposed to being passed on. It's just, you know, most of what they've done, I know it's been the Brock Osweiler, has been centered around the run in Kenyon Drake. I don't think Drake's going to have a good game whatsoever when you consider Darius Leonard factor. Um, another interesting thing will be Malik Hooker. If Hooker's out, you definitely could see some Kenny Stills, you know, kind of a really cheap, you know, because he could just have, you know, one for 70, you know, but it's a touchdown, one for, you know, and all of a sudden he has 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, so you're looking to see Malik Hooker's health. And, but yeah, if Malik Hooker's playing and if they are, you know, able to shut them down like I do think so with the running backs, um, this is one where I'd probably lean Indy before I would even take the dog. Next game, we got Arizona Cardinals against the Chargers. Um, Cardinals are catching 12 points, about 12 and a half, honestly. Over-unders 45. Um, <clears throat> this one's really interesting because I was kind of looking for, you know, or hoping for the Cardinals to be in a decent spot here. Um, even coming off of the loss, but um, then you get the Chargers coming off of a loss, and that makes it tougher. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of the situation where I was saying that um, I think the Cardinals will probably be a little bit more live as a dog than as a favorite because I think they're better in the catch-up role because it, that's where their offense actually opens up is what actually um, I ended up learning against the Oakland Raiders is that when they get that lead, they're still trying to play the same offense. You know, they're still trying to sit on it. They're still trying to be boring. Um, when they're down 20 to seven against the Kansas City Chiefs, where you know David Johnson is electric in the passing game, so um, you know that's where I'm wondering, and I'm saying, you know, if if they do get down, can they you know slip in that back door? Should I be on the Cardinals in this situation, in the same type of um, situation against you know the Kansas City Chiefs? Can they just hang enough? Can they slip in the back door with their offense and with the you know throwing David Johnson? And I'm just saying, I don't know because you know the big fear was Josh Rosen got absolutely torched by pressure 
from the Oakland Raiders. You know, like this team gets pressure on absolutely nobody. And I was saying, you know, one thing with Rosen is the backside pressure and it gets a little, you know, he doesn't notice it until it's way too late. And that's what happened to him in that game against the Raiders. But still, it's like your offensive line is garbage because, you know, how are the Raiders getting to Rosen? And, you know, how are your receivers not breaking open in terms of, you know, he's sitting in the pocket too late against the Raiders? You know, there is no too late against the Raiders. Um, But it did happen against Josh Rosen um, in situations in that game. Kind of do, um, like I said, I think it's really a 50-50 split between Rosen and the offensive line. And that's what just scares me against the Chargers, you know, Joey Bosa played last week, wasn't a huge impact, but, you know, it's his first game off of Liz Frank's surgery. Um, It's going to only go up from here, you know, trust me on that one. So I do think that, you know, their offensive line could be in for a long day. And then you kind of say, well, if they just stick like Derwin James or, you know, one of their, like I say every week, like five or six safeties on David Johnson, is that an issue? So um, that's where I'm kind of, I'm off it all together, honestly. I do think... um, Johnson, especially if you're thinking that they're going to be in the catch-up role, I think Johnson you go back to him in DFS potentially. Um, the rest of it, I mean, you could probably go to Keenan Allen because I don't think Patrick Peterson is going to follow Keenan Allen. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of think there's potential for it to be a little bit lower scoring because um, the Chargers do. They're kind of a, a more of a run-first offense, and you saw they actually um, butchered some some game management game um, against the Denver Broncos and really lost because um, they were just trying to get way too aggressive passing the football and they probably do need to just get back to their bread and butter of running the football. And I think they will do that against the Cardinals. Um, and then, like I said, the Cardinals, even if you know if they're hanging in this game, they're going to be trying to run the football a little bit, um, especially to take the pressure of that uh, the, the pass rushers off of Josh Rosen, who really is struggling under pressure, um, especially Corey Legit, the Chargers defensive lineman, is out for the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think that David Johnson could have a – Pretty good day on the ground. I think you could have a good day on the air if you think that they're going to get blown out. So that's why you like Johnson in this situation. And yeah, I mean, you really don't like anything else. You probably like the under in this game. So moving on, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Denver Broncos. And um, this is one that I'm definitely, I'm going to be on the Broncos in this situation. I just don't think the Steelers have kind of the gas to really get this thing done, to really kind of... um, move on. And I mean, you look at their schedule and I've kind of been highlighting that they've been through, you know, somewhat of the gauntlet in terms of you go to Baltimore and win. Um, you come back on a very short week against a very complex run offense in the Carolina Panthers and you hold up strong because that was, you know, prime time, big time spot, you know, you really show up for it. And then you get the Jacksonville Jaguars and I was saying it has all the letdown spot potential, but I don't think it's going to happen because of, you know, all the situation. I think that they are going to put in a full effort. Um, and now I think, you know, the the big thing that I think about this game is you have that triple option attacking Cam Newton and all them, and then you have the Jaguars who are just full steam ahead power. And you saw the Steelers in both situations early into the game struggled with it. This is unfamiliar stuff to them, you know, especially in terms of Cam Newton um, and that rushing attack, you know, with all the motion. Unfamiliar stuff. They struggle early. They pick it up as the game goes on and get better. And then I already kind of said with how Leonard Fournette, um, it was kind of early on, you know, and they they didn't change their game plan, the Jaguars. Um, In fact, they kind of went even more conservative as the game went on to their running game. Um, And it was just smash mouth straight ahead. Um, Really the opposite in terms of we're just going to grind you the hell down. And now they get another um, completely different rushing attack with the Denver Broncos. um, And they are actually a top five offensive running attack. So they're actually better than the Jaguars right now as a run unit. So um, I just think it's hard to go three straight um, somewhat unfamiliar run defenses, especially when you think that run defense was on the field 
for 40 minutes last week um, because the offense just completely puked all over itself for, you know, like 40 minutes, or, you know, of that game. Um, I know they didn't have the ball a lot, but, you know, a lot of it, the offense was putting the defense in bad spots, the defense was putting the offense in bad spots, but the defense showed up. They stuffed Leonard Fournette to, you know, 28 for 98. I think it was under four yards a carry. It was a really strong performance for their run defense, but that's tiring. Like, that's just, that's devastating. And now you have your second straight running game, or, you know, you have your second straight road game um, against another really talented run defense, arguably, or offense, arguably a better run offense. Um, and you have the mile high implications, and then you have they go home against the Chargers next week in a game that will have, you know, the Broncos just beat the Chargers. So even if the Broncos beat the Steelers, that game will have all the implications of playoff seeding, everything like that, tiebreakers, um, the like. So um, it's really tough to see the Steelers show up for this game, um, defend the run for all 60 minutes. And then, you know, you look to the other factor, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, I think he had a decent game. Um, one time against Pittsburgh already. And the big one is Cortland Sutton because I think he's going to line up on Cody Sensabaugh. And, you know, the big thing was uh, Sensabaugh didn't even play that much. They ended up putting Jordan Dangerfield in because uh, they knew Blake Bortles wasn't going to pass the football and they wanted the extra run defender in there. Um, that's really just what they were doing in that situation. And um, I, th- I think Sensabaugh is obviously going to be tested a lot more. And, you know, we kind of forgot about that was an issue, you know, when you blow out the Panthers and then you have the Jaguars um, who can't throw the football. Um, I think all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, yeah, Cody Sensabaugh is kind of an issue on that side. You know, Cortland Sutton just completely caught one over his head, you know. So it's I think it's in, you know, it's in the workings. You know, you look and I've been on the Broncos in a bunch of spots in, in Denver. You know, we were on the first week of the season against Seattle and they covered. And I'm kind of sitting here saying, yeah, Seattle's a decent little team. Um, you know, we were on them against uh, the Houston Texans. They lost by two points. We were on them um, against the Rams and they covered and, you know, lost by three. And I said, that was a game where you have to say Vance Joseph's getting fired because the Rams, you know, they should have won that game against the Rams. They easily should have won that game against the Rams. So now I just think it's a, it's a really tough spot for Pittsburgh, um, tougher spot for Pittsburgh than the Rams were in. And um, yeah, I just, I just, I think that Denver potentially is able to even pull off the upset. So um, I do. I kind of think the guys are um, Lindsey and Cortland Sutton for the offense. I think that gets them just enough to you know really scare the Steelers in this game. Um, they are a better offense than the Jaguars, obviously. So, um, but then I think the defense does do just enough for the Denver Broncos. Um, I think if the Steelers win this game, it's a it's a heavy dose of James Conner. Um, he makes up for that drop catch on you know he had two actually pretty. Uh, ugly drops in that game. So I think he makes up for it with a potential huge game against the Denver run offense. But, um, and another one is Vance McDonald. I think you go right back to Vance McDonald, but yeah, I mean, Ben, a lot of the road struggles or, you know, a lot of the Steelers issues come down to when Ben struggles. Um, so it's going to come down to Ben. Um, you know, it's Bradley Chubb, it's Vaughn Miller. Um, he hasn't been too, too great when the pressure has reared its face down on him. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting game. I do. I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Steelers lost. I do think the Broncos are a little bit better than their record indicates. I think they're bound to win one of these close games at home. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Pittsburgh is also kind of bound to um, just see a little bit of a down spot. I mean, ev- listen, everybody does it. Bill Belichick um, lost to the Lions, the Titans. You know, <laughs> it happens. So um, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned, but I do think it's a tough spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So moving on, we have the Sunday night football game, the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. These ones I honestly haven't really looked into whatsoever, um, the two primetime games. So it's, it's, it's going to be tough for me to give too, too much analysis on the short week. But um, 
Yeah, it's, it, it is just going to be tough because I haven't, like I said, I haven't done too much. But, you know, I think the, the two teams are even. I think the three-point spread's about right. Um, I think my big takeaway from the Vikings game against the Chicago Bears is that, yeah, I mean, uh, and I said it, you know, there's potential that we walk away from this game saying that, you know, $84 million guaranteed and he's not going to be able to win them a Super Bowl. And that's, that's kind of where I'm thinking about with Cousins, you know. And I, I know the offensive line is terrible. I do, but, I mean, man – I don't think he has it. I really don't. I think he can show up and, you know, he can carry his team and he can put up some decent stats in losing efforts, you know, but he, he loses most of the games where he has his best stats. And that's just the facts of the matter with Kirk Cousins. So it's really hard to say that the Vikings made a great decision there. Um, then you read, read the quotes Mike Zimmer was saying, you know, questioning whether his team quit on him um, on that Sunday night game against the Vik- or against the Bears. And I mean, they did, you know, um, scores, you know, score kind of late into that game, but yeah, I mean, all of a sudden some interesting things are going on in Minnesota. Um, you know, the Packers coming off of loss, they have the extra time, you know, in terms of, uh, the, the extra days, um, Rogers being scrutinized, Mike McCarthy potentially, you know, job over. So, um, like I said, I, I haven't gotten into it enough. I think, you know, Alexander on Adam Thielen potentially, um, stylistically, I would probably put Adam, um, Alexander on Stefan Diggs. So we'll see about that. But, you know, um, Whoever Thielen, I think that would I think that would be the move is you put Alexander on Diggs and that could potentially open up some uh, some Adam Thielen and I really think that Minnesota has to look look at this game and say the reason we lost to the Bears and the reason I was afraid to take Minnesota against the Bears was that they can't run the football like they are just they're a bad running football team and I mean you look at the stats Latavius is having a good season um, statistically um, Dalvin Cook breaks some big runs that's what they're doing though all of it is breaking runs. It's like they'll be nine for ten, like nine carries for ten yards, and then it's a sixty-yard rush, and it boosts the stats, and that's great. But you are not running the football consistently to the point where you can rely on it against good teams. And now the Green Bay Packers are one of the worst run offenses. You know, Seattle just kind of survived based off of we kind of run them down, and then Russ gets us through the door at the very end. So um, that's kind of how I think Minnesota has to play this: is you know, let's get Dalvin Cook, let's get Dalvin Cook, let's get Dalvin Cook. And then, you know, hopefully Kirk has just enough in terms of, you know, he sucks. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, he's, he's extremely talented. It's just, you know, um, he doesn't show up in the big moments. Hopefully um, he can show up in a big moment because this game will be on primetime. It'll be on against Aaron Rodgers. Um, so we will definitely see. Like I said, I, I'm not even close to being on anything yet. Um, probably, you know, that this is one you got to check Twitter with. The other one is the Tennessee Titans and the Texans, and there's not even a line. There's not even much reason for me to get too invested into this. Um, the one thing I'll say is that one I already said about Mariota, they said it's a potential that he pinched the same nerve. So um, there's potential that, you know, his hand, they're not passing the football. Um, this season is potentially just a wash moving forward. Um, and then you just you go into the offseason and wonder, what do you do with Marcus Mariota? Um that's potentially a really tough thing. But the underlying factor of the Titans' blowout loss is that their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, leaves the game in like the first quarter with I think it was like a heart issue. So um, I don't think he's going to coach. I know Vrabel has more control of the defense than the offense. It's, a you know, uh, what's his name's offense. But still, um, really just an awkward situation when you lose your defensive coordinator during the game with health issues and, you know, um, then you lose your quarterback. I mean, yeah, the game just spiraled away from them. And that's why I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Um, I know that the Texans, you know, did lose to the Titans earlier into the season. So they have that looking, you know, on their way. But also, you know, I've been saying for a long time, I think the Texans are just kind of a little bit overhyped, kind of looking to get beat up on. Um, but, I mean, can you invest in Blaine Gabbert? <laughs> Probably not, especially in terms of um, 
the play calling just goes into a shell when Blaine Gabbert's out there. And, you know, the play calling wasn't even too great against the, against the Indianapolis Colts early into that game. Like I said, they dug themselves into a ditch more than Mariota got hurt. You know, um, they, the Colts really did come out there and we're probably going to beat on them no matter what. So you're wondering, you know, I know luck is what 10 and 0 against the uh, Titans now. So you're wondering, maybe it's a little bit of that, you know, they just see the, the blue horseshoe and, you know, going to Cincinnati Bengal mode against the Steelers. <laughs> maybe it is that, but um, that's where at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm not sure yet. And, you know, I don't even know the quarterback. I would, you know, I still like Tennessee and you know, I'd love to look into Tennessee against an overhyped Texans team. But, I mean, it's, there's just so much in the air at this juncture in time. So um, it's an early podcast, but hopefully um, some of the information gives you enough. Hopefully you guys can hit us up on Twitter, ask us some questions over the weekend. Based on, like I said, I'm still, I have a lot to look into as this week goes on. But, like I said, this was an early podcast for us. So um, we hope you like it, and we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah.